again to Mount Perry North, the closing service of our missions festival. I'm so excited you're here. I'm excited for the word of God that you're about to hear from someone who's not a stranger to Mount Perry North. You've seen the graphics and the signs around the church, and Pastor Kirk talked about it last week. We're celebrating 25 years as an independent church and 25 years of, of missions, and the man who was at the helm of, of, of this ship for the first 20 years is Dr. Mark Walker. He was our senior pastor for, yeah. Well, if you really want something to clap about, Miss Udella is also here this morning. He was our senior pastor for 20 years. Uh, he's, he's the primary reason next to the Lord of why I showed up at this place 14 years ago. Uh, but they're leading now uh, Lee University as, as president, and that's a place that's also near and dear to my heart. I'm, a, I'm an alumni of Lee. My wife is as well. Our, our daughter just graduated in December, uh, Madeline, as, as most of you know her. We've got a junior there, Ian, and we just dropped off our third child there yesterday. So I'm broke, and uh, Lee has all my money. But no, no, an amazing institution, and it is thriving. It is growing because of the leadership of, of Mark and Adela Walker. But would you welcome them home here to Mount Perry North? Oh, wow. Wow. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Bless your heart. Thank you very much. Y'all are sweet. Well, Pastor Brett... You may be broke, but we will find ways to help you find more money to take care of your continued contribution to Lee University. Good morning, everybody. It is such a privilege, a pleasure, an honor. Anytime Udella and I get the opportunity to be back here with such a wonderful, wonderful group of people and I'm so grateful to Pastor Kirk and um, him continuing to extend opportunities and invitations uh, for me to come and for us to come and to share with you. Um, it is truly it is truly a privilege any time we, we get to do that, but especially on this 25th anniversary uh, of missions. Um, and before I, I go any further, I got to look at my heroes. Some of you I've never had the opportunity of meeting. I hope you know what a wonderful church you're a part of and that are supporting you and loving you and praying for you and what God wants to do in your ministries. Well, but to those of you We love you so much. I think I tried to say every time you came back, you're our heroes. I hope you heard me say that a lot because we mean it. And um, boy, what, what God is doing in and through you around this world, boy, we as an institution, we as a uh, church, I keep saying institution because I'm a president now. I'm so sorry, but we as a we as a church, and I can say we as a church because this church is in our hearts. Um, uh, we, we we it's been such a privilege 
for 25 years to be serving with you. Um, and uh, we pray nothing but the best. All that God has for you and will be accomplished in and through your ministries. I need Kleenex now. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I hadn't expected that to happen. Thank you very much. Now, those that used to work the sound with me, when they knew when I went to Kleenex, they'd cut the mic. You remember that, right? All right. People wanted to hear somebody blowing their nose. In the... But wow, you know, <laughs> a joy that Udella and I have so much in pastoring here was how much this church um, was so mission-minded and so global-reaching. Um, it's in the DNA of this place. It's, it's, it's something, I believe, that has been a major part of the success and the thriving and the, and the flourishing of, of this church. And uh, to see what is continuing to happen under the leadership of, of Pastor Kirk and Pastor Brett and all of the leaders and you folks here is, is, is such a thrill for us. And man, 25 years, that's what an accomplishment. And you know, we're not done yet, right? We're not done yet. Until he returns, we're gonna labor. Isn't that right? That's what we're gonna do. So for me to be here, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, if you have a Bible or a Bible app and you wanna turn with me to John chapter six, John chapter six, uh, the, the scriptures uh, the Lord has laid on my heart to walk through um, are going to be on the screen as well. And just for the next few moments, with the help of the Lord, I want to I talk to you about what I simply call the great invitation. The great invitation. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for just your wonderful spirit that is so anxious and eager and willing to meet with us. You call us unto yourselves and it is a joy for you to be with us and you desire to be with your children. And so, Father, thank you for that. And thank you for the invitation we have to come into your throne room. And we don't come at our own uh, merit or based on our own abilities. We come because of your mercy and grace that you have extended us through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we come boldly and we come confidently that we will find you and grace and mercy in our time of need. So, holy God, now I ask for the next few moments you enable me to share your word. Um, I'm not here to perform. Um, I am here to simply be used of you to, to speak what you want spoken. That when we leave this place, I pray more than anything else, we have heard from you and our hearts have become more transformed into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. I ask these things now in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And with the role of pastor and now president that my wife and I uh, have been able to serve in all these many years, we get have gotten and still get all kinds of invitations to go to different type of functions and different type of affairs. We're invited to very formal banquets at times, all the way to just very casual, intimate uh, uh, dinners with people in their homes and every type of thing in between. 
And we've been blessed that we've been able to meet a lot of interesting people and have some amazing experiences because of the invitations we receive. But then there's those times when we have some very unique, unexpected types of experiences, like the time a gentleman by the name of Frank Devane, who's also known as Fast Frank, invited us over to have dinner at his home. Now, some of you may recall, this has been about 20 years ago. Some of you that were here during that time, you recall that we had every Sunday morning about four pewfuls of bikers that came. You remember that? Everybody remember that? They came dressed in their black and they were wearing chains and they had beards down to their bellies and that was the men. And the ladies had... The ladies had piercings all over their faces, and all of them had tattoos everywhere. And, and we, had a, we had a group of, of, uh, that were part of our church that were bikers and motorcyclists, and they joined this club to go have different riding experiences. And they began to start witnessing to some of these folks and inviting them to church, and the Lord began to move in their lives and people getting saved. We'd have about four pupils. We had so many coming, we had to uh, create a motorcycle-only parking in our parking lot. And after the worship services, when our cleanup crew was going through and cleaning up the parking lot, they would come to this section and sweep up a lot of cigarette butts and other uh, smoking materials and paraphernalia and, and, and clean that, get that area cleaned up. And it was an amazing time in our church. And Fast Frank was one of the primary leaders. Um, he had radically come to Christ he had a very, very troubling, difficult background before Christ, radically came to Christ, and he was one of the primary ones leading these uh, uh, motorcyclists to, to Christ and bringing them to Mount Perry North. So he invited Udella and me to come and have dinner with him to get to know him. So we're sitting there at the dinner table with Fast, and he's beginning to tell us stories of his before Jesus days, drug busts and knife fights and gun battles and places he had been shot and going to jail and it's hair-raising stuff. And I'm beginning to think to myself, I don't really know this man. And I don't know if he's backslidden or not. And I don't know if I'm gonna see a gun come out at any moment. I'm, I'm really starting to get a bit anxious and God is my witness. Udella can testify to this. About that time, somebody started banging on the door. And it was bam, 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 bam. It sounded like gunshots. I promise you. And Udella must have thought the same thing because as soon as we heard it, both of us dived under the table. We went under the table. And I'm thinking, I'm about to die. I'm trying to get right with God under the table. About this time, we hear this person yell outside the door, this is the police, it's a raid. Now I'm seeing my ministry just go down the tubes. I see the headlines, local pastor and wife arrested in drug bust. I'm thinking I'm ruined. Well, Fast Frank, he never moves. He's, he's used to this. He's sitting there in his chair and he just laughs and says, well, come on in. And this guy comes in. He's drunk. He's a friend of Fast from years ago. They hadn't seen each other in years. He comes staggering over to Fast and talking to him. And about that time, Udella and I come emerging out from under the table. And I'm looking at this guy, 
And I can see in his mind, he's going, now I know I'm really drunk. I don't know if those are real people coming out from under the table or not. And Fast says to the guy, let me introduce you to my pastor and his wife. I've never seen a man sober up so fast in all my life. And then we got to watch Fast take a moment and talk to this gentleman about Christ. But you never know what you're going to get involved with when someone invites you to participate in something. But we love to be invited, don't we? We want to be a part. We want to be included. We don't want to be left out, especially if it's something that's really major and making a difference. Well, I believe God has given to all of us and every person on the planet what I call the great invitation. And that invitation, first and foremost, is to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ because that's what we were made for. That's what we were designed for. That's how we become fully human in relating and knowing and walking with our creator creator through Jesus Christ. But we forfeited all of that because of our sin and our rebellion against God. But out of his wonderful mercy and love for us, he sent Jesus Christ, his son, that through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, we could be restored back into eternal abundant life with our maker, the life that we were designed to live. How many of you are grateful for that great invitation that God gives unto us? But the amazing thing is he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just invite us into a relationship. He wants to partner with us. He wants to partner with us to be a part of what he's doing in his redemptive work in this earth, to be a part of something greater than ourselves that has eternal impact on the lives of people. It's what Jesus Christ is talking about when he calls us the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Oh, I want you to be in relationship with me, but I want you to co-partner with me and allow me to use you that I might do my work through you and the lives around you. I believe that's reflected in the scriptural theme of the missions festival where Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, verses five through seven. Here's what he says. He says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But, what we, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I believe Paul in essence is saying here, look, I am partnering with God in his work in this earth to reflect the light of the glory of Jesus Christ as a preacher. That's how I'm partnering with him. I am serving him and I'm serving people. He says, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a servant of yours. I want the light of Christ that is shining in me that God out of his mercy has chosen to place within me to shine out of me to touch those around me. And I'm partnering him primarily as a preacher, Paul is saying, but he says something very interesting. He says, we have this treasure, this light of the glory of Christ, this all-surpassing power, this treasure, we have it in jars of clay. We're the jars of clay. 
we're fallible, we're flawed, we're frail, we're fragile, we're broken, we're chipped, we're marred, we're cracked because of sin. In essence, Paul is saying we're cracked pots. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a cracked pot. But the crazy thing is God wants to work through crackpots, jars of clay. He knows we are very, very short of perfect. But that doesn't hold him back from loving us and providing us what, I, what we need in order to live life. But also he wants to work through these imperfect vessels to bring his perfection. He wants to work in this weak vessel to bring his strength wants to work in this imperfection to bring his eternal redemptive work in the earth. One, because he loves us. He wants us to be a part of this. But secondly, because he wants the world to know it's not the vessels that are doing it. It's him and his all-surpassing power. It's not the vessel. It's who is in the vessel. And he's inviting us in our imperfection, in our cracked pot existence to let him work his all-surpassing power through us. And I believe for 25 years at Mount Perrin North, missions has been about the idea that we have had this great invitation from God to partner with him as earthen vessels to be his light in the world and for the past 25 years, we have accepted that invitation. Now, as we turn the page to go to the next 25 years, God is asking us once again, will you allow me to do what I wanna do through you as my earthen vessels in this earth? And how are we going to respond? Well, I wanna talk to you about responding to this great invitation that God has for us. And it comes out of a very familiar story in John chapter six where Jesus Christ takes five loaves of bread and two fish and performs this great miracle and feeds more than 5,000 people. This story is recorded in all four gospels, but I wanna look at what John writes. And what we have here is Jesus Christ has been teaching there at the Sea of Galilee all day long. It's getting dark. People are tired, they're hungry. They realize they don't have enough food to feed everybody, so the Lord's gonna perform this miracle, and he invites his followers to partner with him to participate in this miracle. And the question is, how are they going to respond? So let's look at this story in John chapter six, beginning in verse five. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. 
He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now, before I look at three responses to this great invitation, let me focus on a comment that John makes because this is very, very important. After Jesus asked Philip, go find some food. John says this in verse six. He, Jesus, asked this only to test him, to test Philip. For Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Think about that a moment. Jesus already knew what he was gonna do. He's inviting Philip to participate in it. Already knew what he's gonna do. He's inviting Philip to participate. The Lord already knows what he wants to do through you. He already knows. He already has it in mind. He already sees it. He's simply inviting you to participate. Why? Why is he doing this? Well, John says he did it to test Philip. Why is he testing him? I believe he's testing him to see what Philip's trust capacity is. He's trying to help Philip see his reliance and dependence upon the Lord. The Lord already knows what Philip's faith is in him. He needs Philip to see it because he knows where he wants to take Philip and ultimately what he wants to do through Philip. He knows the faith capacity that Philip is going to need and he's trying to help Philip see where he is right now. And he's saying to Philip, are you willing to trust me enough to participate in what I have for you even though I'm not telling you what it is? Think about that. Philip, I got something planned for you, but I'm not telling you what it is. Do you trust me enough? Will you follow me enough? Will you depend upon me that even though I'm not gonna reveal that to you right now, you're willing to participate and follow what it is I'm inviting you into? Are you willing? What might he be saying to you? What might he be inviting you into? But you're uncertain as to what it is. Where is the trust capacity for what he might want to do? Well, we can see that in three responses I wanna look at. First of all, it's the Philip response, I call it. And it's the response of, it can't be done. Philip answered, verse seven says, he says to Jesus, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. What's he saying? It doesn't matter how much food we get, Lord, we're not gonna get enough. We're not gonna get enough to, to feed these people to where they're satisfied. This can't be done. It's too big, what you're asking. It's too difficult. It's too overwhelming. It's too frightening. It's too risky. It won't work. It can't be done. Maybe some of us in here are feeling a sense that the Lord is putting within us, maybe a dream or a, or a call or, or a purpose or, or something that he's drawing us to, 
that, that we, we feel like it's something larger than us and it's bigger than us and we're saying, this, this can't be done, this is too much. Maybe you're here at Mount Perrin North and you've never really participated in the mission effort here, the global work. And maybe during this missions festival, you felt the Lord kind of tugging at you and pulling you to step in. He wants to, he wants to do something through you, but, but you're saying, no, 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 I can't do that. It's, it's too big, it's too much. Or maybe you're somebody here at Mount Perrin North and you've been involved in missions for many, many years and there's a lot of different things that you're involved with in the global outreach. And during this missions festival, the Lord has been speaking to you about take, making a deeper step, about going further or taking you into something that you're not familiar with. And you're saying, no, 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 I can't do that. It's too much, it's too risky. That's the Philip response, it can't be done. Well, guess what? In us, it can't be done. What the Lord is saying, I know it can't be done in you. I know you can't do it. What I'm asking, are you gonna trust the God that can get it done? See, that's what he's saying to Philip. Philip, I know you can't get it done. You're a crackpot. I know that. I know it looks way too big for you. What I'm asking, will you trust me? See, Philip, it's not about you. The all-surpassing power doesn't come from you. It comes from me. I want to know are you willing to trust the all-surpassing power of God that can get the job done that I'm calling you into? I know you can't do it, but I can. Do you trust me? The Philip response is it can't be done, but then there's the Andrew response. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he brings this little boy, and the Andrew response is I don't have what it takes. Verse nine, Andrew said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? We don't have enough. It's not enough. It's gonna fall short. We don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not experienced enough. I fall short there's always somebody that we're comparing ourselves to, has more experience, has greater education, that maybe has more money, and we feel like we don't have enough, or we're too old, or we're too young, or we're too whatever. I can't do it because I'm simply nothing but a five loaves and two fish self. It's all I am. My crack pot is worse than other people's cracked pots. Guess what? God knows you don't have what it takes. He knows that. What he wants us to understand and Andrew to understand is that our inability does not limit his ability. He wants us to know that our not enough is more than enough in his hands. The question is, am I going to trust him? See, again, we make it too much about us. It isn't about us. We're not the all-surpassing power. He's the all-surpassing power. Yeah, you don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. 
The Lord said, that's not the issue. (laughs) The issue is, I do have what it takes. Will you trust me? I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe that a person who dies certifiably dead, examined by experts, and they are dead, can be buried in a grave for three days and then by its own power raise itself up from the dead and live again? How many of you believe that's possible? Well, if you're a follower of Christ, you better believe it's possible. We don't follow a dead God. We follow one that lives. He once was dead, but now he lives. By his own power. What's your point? My point is this. If I can believe somebody certifiably dead, buried in a grave for three days under their own power can resurrect from the dead, then I can certainly believe that my inability does not limit his ability and my less than enough is more than enough in his hands. We've forgotten too many of us who've been walking with the Lord. He lives and that resurrection power abides within us. That is the all-surpassing power of Christ. Philip says, can't be done. Andrew says, I don't have what it takes. But then there's the little boy. And the little boy response is simply this. Here's what I have. It's yours. Andrew brings this little boy. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Now, I don't know how this little boy heard that they were in need of food. I don't know if you ever heard Jesus saying it to Philip. I don't know if Andrew went looking around and saw the five loaves and the two fish and said, hey, little guy, can I have these? We need food. I don't know how the little boy found out. Here's all I know that the little boy does. Hey, I got five loaves of bread, two fish. You need it? Here it is. Can you take this and feed more than 5,000? I don't know. It's not my problem. It's your problem. Can this be done? Have no idea. I'm not the one asking. You are. It's yours. Do what you want to do with it. Not my problem. His problem. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon that said, pray and let God worry. It's not dependent on Mark Walker. I'm a cracked pot. Y'all are laughing way too much right down here. It's not dependent. Uh, it's, it's, look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's about him. If I could sum up this little boy response, it's simply this. As I am with what I have, I'm yours. Say that with me. As I am with what I have, I'm yours. One more time. As I am with what I have, I'm yours. And as soon as that little boy had that attitude and gives five loaves and two fish to Jesus Christ, over 5,000 people are fed. 
He's simply saying, I'm inviting you into the miracles I wanna do in this earth. (laughs) It's not about you. It's just simply about will you trust me? Will you trust me? I have a, a CD. Anybody remember CDs? I don't even know if you can play them on anything anymore. It's of a man by the name of David Gibbs. He's a lawyer, but he's also a preacher. I don't know how that works, but lawyers can... I got a good friend lawyer sitting right here, so I got to be very, very careful about what I'm saying. I'm going to come on this side of the stage for a moment. David Gibbs, he's a lawyer, he's a preacher, and in this message is called the impossible. And he tells a story of a pastor friend that told him this story. And this pastor was preaching a Sunday night service and gave an altar call and people came forward and a young lady by the name of Marcy came forward. Now, Marcy had grown up in that church. This pastor knew her very well. And Marcy at a very young age had felt this calling to missions, to be a missionary. And she'd gone off to college and she had studied missiology, graduated, and was back in town, back at her home church, just really seeking God about where he was calling her. That particular Sunday night, when the pastor preached and invited people to come forward, Marcy came down and the pastor went down to meet her. And he said, Marcy, how can I pray for you? And she said, Pastor, I believe I know where God is calling me. He said, oh, Marcy, that's so wonderful. Where do you feel like the Lord is calling you? She said, he is calling me to the man-eating, head-hunting tribes of Malaysia. He, He froze. He said, what? He's calling me, Pastor, to the man-eating, head-hunting tribes of Malaysia. She said, nobody has been there. In the research I have done, no missionaries have been there for a decade. And I really believe he's calling me there. And the pastor looked right at her and said, Marcy, you can't go. He began to try to talk her out of it right there in the altar. You can't go, Marcy. The reason why nobody sent anybody there in a decade because they keep killing the missionaries and eating them. You can't go, Marcy. She said, Pastor, I'm telling you, the Lord is calling me there. I can't shake this. Well, Marcy's parents were sitting in the congregation and saw the exchange taking place between Marcy and the pastor, and they rushed down there and said, Pastor, please talk to her. She won't listen to us. She can't go there. She'll die, and he's trying his best. Finally, Marcy said, Pastor, I'm going with with or without your blessing. Will you bless me? The pastor reluctantly prayed over her, and the whole time he said, I am praying a death sentence over her. I am sending her to her death. There was a couple of months that had to pass between then and when she actually had to go to Malaysia, and the pastor tried calling different mission agencies that he knew about and different missionaries, asking them if they would, if they, some, they would send somebody with Marcy, and when he, he, they, they would ask, well, where is she going? And he would tell him, tell them, they said, no, we're not sending anybody there. It's too dangerous. It came time for her to be dropped off in the particular area to go begin to minister to these tribes people. 
And she had to repel out of a helicopter because they couldn't land the helicopter because the trash people would attack it. So she actually had to repel out of a helicopter. And the whole time they were flying in that helicopter to the drop zone, it was the pilot, it was the pastor, and it was the parents. They're trying to talk Marcy out of it. They get over the drop zone. Marcy harnesses up to the rope. The pilot looks at her. He says, Marcy, please don't go. He said, I've dropped off too many missionaries that never came back. He said, if you go, you will not come back. And Marcy said, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to come back or not. I just know I'm supposed to go. And out the door she went. She stepped down on the ground and unharnessed and the pilot pulled up the rope and helicopter began to fly off and the pastor and the parents just looked down at her weeping. They said, Marcy, we'll be back in 60 days. 60 days later, they came flying back and as they came over the drop zone area, they expected to see nothing or no one. But there stood Marcy and about 60 or 70 of those tribes people standing around her and they were all waving at the helicopter and they're thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world? Landed, the tribes people are hugging them and greeting them and welcoming them and they made their way to Marcy and of course they just hugged her and kissed her. Finally said, Marcy, what in the world? How? We've never seen this before. And she said, well, when I got here, I learned two things. Number one, they only eat men. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But those that have a problem with women in ministry, that argument alone ought to do something. She said, here's the second thing I learned. These tribes people had a 200-year-old prophecy that a woman was going to drop out of the sky. And she was a god. And they were to worship her. She said, so as I came walking to the villages, they just began to bow down. They began to worship, and I couldn't figure it out until finally someone explained it to me. And I said to them, no, 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 don't understand. I'm, I'm not a God, but I've been sent by God. And he wants you to listen to this message. She said, I've never won people to Christ easier than I have here as I am with what I have I'm yours I'm not saying you'll have a, as a dramatic story like Marcy's but the same God that led her and empowered her and saw her through is the same God that's inviting you to participate in amazing things that he wants to do through you. Mount Perrin North, it's been a wonderful 25-year ride of missions work, but until Jesus Christ returns, there is more work to be done. And I believe there's greater, there, there's more countries, there are more people groups, there's more places on the corner of this earth that he wants to call this congregation. Here's the question, he's given the great invitation, how will you respond? There are miracles awaiting you 
to participate in. As I am with what I have, I'm yours. Father God, I thank you for these amazing people, this wonderful church, this this body that for years have wanted nothing but you and your plans and your purposes. Father, we are so grateful for how out of your mercy and grace and generosity have chosen to use this body of believers to bless us with the resources by which we can truly participate with you in reaching this world for your kingdom. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll continue to empower them as they continue to simply make themselves available to you with who they are and what they have. I pray your blessings and your anointing and your power to rest upon these missionaries sitting in this room and those that this church supports that couldn't be here. Father, I pray that you provide the resources, you provide all the needs that they need to carry out the kingdom work. I pray for them. I pray where they feel like the the, the task is too great or where they feel like they're not good enough, God, I pray right now you would surround them with your all-surpassing power to help them once again realize and know you have not forsaken them and you go before them and you are making a way and that which you have been speaking into their hearts will come to pass if they'll continue to simply make themselves available with who they are and what they have. Father God, we're praying and believing that whatever harvest came in this year, next year will be even far greater as we prepare for the return of your son, Jesus Christ. Let it be so for one purpose, your glory, your honor, and your praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you, Pastor Mark. I don't know what to call him anymore. Pastor Mark, Dr. Mark, President Mark. All of the above, thank you. Crackpot. Crackpot. <laughs> About halfway through that sermon, I thought, man, he is back in his stride as good old Pastor Mark. Those of you who knew him before, didn't you feel it? <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you for bringing the word of God to us. One of the things that I have loved about Mount Perrin North, even when Stacy and I just came to interview, was, was the commitment to, to global missions. And that has continued year over year over year during our tenure here. And last year, you set an all-time record in your faith promise giving. And, and we, the missions board and I, Stacy and I, Pastor Kirk and Laura, just blown away at your generosity, your heart for getting the gospel out to this world. I remember making a statement very clearly to our missions board last fall. We don't have enough missionaries to spend all this money. All the missionaries are going, wait a minute, I got some more ideas. But, but, re- but really, we looked and, and said, we have to grow this team. So we did. And, and, and last fall, we, we started talking and recruiting and visiting some places. And we've added uh, three new families in the last year. And you can see their, uh, their, their banners here around the, around the room. And you heard from some of them in, in life groups and things this week. You have a heart for the nations. You, you understand the Great Commission. They've been busy. We're doing more than we've ever done before. I wanted to just share with you some things that you gave to last year. So we have 15 families now full-time 
uh, on, our, on our missions team. In addition to them, 138 partners that are church planters all around the world. And here's what they accomplished last year. They touched and ministered to over 300 people groups, meaning when, when scriptures like Revelation 7 says that every tribe, language, people, and nation, a nation is an ethnos, a people group, are gathered around the throne of God, the Lamb of God. We're, we're touching over 300 people groups just in the last 12 months. You've trained 3,738 pastors and leaders. We've planted 832 churches just in, just in the last year. We've seen 7,229 people uh, take water baptism. And listen to this. People that have made a decision for Christ just in the last 12 months, 27,886. Can you give God praise for that? Amen. Amen. As Pastor Mark, as he said in the, in the sermon, there, there's more work to be done. Hopefully you got one of these pledge cards or the faith promise cards on your way in. And there's some, just some highlights on the, on the back that I'm gonna point out to you. Uh, is that Number one, we're efficient. 100% of your gift goes to, to support missions. It doesn't pay for any administrative costs here. It goes to support uh, global missions. We're strategic. I'll say more about that in a minute, um, but we're also effective. We're gonna continue to reach more and more people groups. We're gonna continue to plant churches. We focus on evangelism, discipleship, and church planning, and that's pretty much it because we wanna see the church rooted and established in every nation, every ethnos, every people group around this world. You can see all the places we're gonna lead. We're pushing into tough places. I won't say the name of the country because I know we're still, we're still streaming on the internet right now at this point of the service, but a new country that we've added that some would consider a closed country. Can I give you some good news? That when it comes to the advancement of the kingdom of God and, and, and the propagation of the gospel, there is no such thing as a closed country. It goes wherever God wants it to go. But we're pushing into tough places, places that don't have churches, places that some of them haven't heard the gospel in a long, long time. That's a heart, that's your heart, and you're making it happen. We, we spent the week um, going through goals, and, and the, part of this card says, you know, we're, we're strategic. We, we mean that. We go through goals with all of our, our missions families and talk to them about their plans and, and, and how to make it better and what kind of funding they need and, and we hold them accountable on those goals. But aside from all that business stuff, you know what I heard this week? Is that there's a consensus among our missionaries to go to new places, to reach the unreached, to plant churches where there are no churches. And, and, and four of them distinctly said something this week about God calling them to get outside even the borders of where they serve and live and, 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 and minister, to go to new nations, new places, like feeling this urgency. And it's one thing when you hear one missionary say that. It's one thing when you just get bits and pieces of the puzzle. But having them all together this week, or at least 10 of our 15 families together this week, you start to get a sense of what's up in the kingdom of God what the Holy Spirit is doing globally. And I'll tell you, there is an urgency to get the gospel to people that haven't heard it before. And I wanna encourage you, Mount Perry North, we've seen growth in this faith family here in, in, in Marietta, but it's happening around the world. And, and, and I just wanna share my heart with you. It's so easy to stay plugged into your phone and the internet and the television news cycle and get all worked up about the rise of evil and how... Darkness is growing around the world. Hey, listen, that might be true. You know, 
the guy that you wanted to get in the White House may not have gotten in the White House. The guy that's in there might not be doing a great job, and we hear all about that every day, 24 hours a day, and China's gonna invade Taiwan, and Russia's tearing up Ukraine, and this is not fair, and there's things in Central Africa where there's bloodshed, and, and the Christians are being martyred, and, and it's the end of the world. We can get so locked in on all that bad news, we can forget the truth of what Jesus promised is gonna happen. Habakkuk chapter two, says that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as water covers the seas. And I'm here to report to you the good news this morning is that the kingdom of God is advancing, that we are winning around the world. We're just one church, amen. We are just one church that saw nearly 1,000 churches planted and 27,000 people come to faith last year. That's not gonna make Fox News or CNN or your internet feed but the kingdom of God is advancing because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So pastor, thank you again that you invited us to join God in what he's doing. He's building his church and he's inviting you and me to be a part of it once again this year. So I have great expectation of what God is going to do again through this faith family. If you're ready to make that faith commitment, it's not a pledge card. I'm not gonna call you six months from now and ask where the money is. It doesn't work like that. This is between you and the Lord. If you put something on your heart, our guy's gonna be waiting with buckets here as you exit the worship center today to drop that in. That helps us budget this year to support their goals and, and, and their, their projects. I'd ask you to pray. You, could, you can ask every one of these missionaries sitting here in the center section. They say it, it's not cliche, they mean it. What we need more than anything else is prayer. They understand the power of prayer and what makes it go is that we just bring all the little bits and pieces that we have and as pastor shared in the, in, in the message that God empowers it the Holy Spirit empowers it and he makes it more than enough to do the work that he's called us to do. So be a prayer partner for these families. Be a prayer partner for this ministry. And then finally, if, if God's put something in your heart to go, go and be a part of our short-term team. Or if he's calling you to be a... Thank you. For those of you watching online, maybe on this side of the room couldn't hear what just happened. It's, it's described in, in the book of 1 Corinthians where the Spirit moves upon someone to bring a, a message in an unknown tongue and then he moves upon someone else to give an interpretation of that tongue. And that message was that he's here to listen to him, that if we don't know him, to run to him because he is the good shepherd. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the reminder you are the good shepherd, that you love, Lord, not just people in this room, not just people in this country. You're the God of the nations. So we as a faith family, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Let's go to him now in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you for what's been an amazing week. Thank you, Lord, for the commitment of these missionaries. Thank you for the celebration that we've had all week long and and, and bits and pieces of seeing your glory, but Lord, in the, in the totality of these goals and the totality of these reports and testimonies, God, we see that you're advancing your kingdom around this world. So God, I pray for the Mount Perry North family, that you'd speak to every heart, that you'd speak to every person here on how you are calling them to respond. And God, I just pray for obedience. Holy Spirit, whatever you speak in our hearts to do, all of us, that we would respond to you with a yes, to say, here I am, 
all that I have, it's yours. And then God, take what we offer up to you, not just today, but all year long. Use it for the advancement of your kingdom and use it so that the world would indeed see your glory. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen. We've got a special song prepared uh, for you to listen to, but also watch on the screens. And I just pray that you would contemplate what God is calling you to do and respond to him in obedience. Is that great or what? 
Missionaries, I see a lot of wet faces. I love it. I love it. Hey, church, would you stand with me? One of the things we love to do at the close of our missions festival is to lay our hands on these families and to bless them. If you're watching online, this is probably the end of the broadcast for you for a few minutes. But if, I'm gonna invite our missions board, elders, if you're seated close by this center section here on the main floor, if you would come around the missionaries, make sure everyone has someone praying for them, laying hands on them in the church. If you're not sitting close, I would just invite you as a, as a symbol of faith and, and your unity with them, would you stretch your hands toward them as we pray? All over the room, let's make sure everybody's covered, everybody's touched, everyone's being prayed for. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for these faithful families and the other five that couldn't make it here this year. We bless them. We bless them in the name of Jesus. We pray for the, the power and the gifting of the Holy Spirit to be upon them and within them for all the work that they have to do this year. God, empower them. Give, them. give them your words to speak. Give them your plans for each nation, each people group, each city, each, each place, God, that they set their foot. Reveal to them what your will is, God. And empower their plans. Empower their efforts. Multiply it, oh God. I pray that you'd bring other partners around them to advance the work, to advance the, the, the kingdom growth this year, God, through these families. I pray for open hearts. I pray for good soil to receive the gospel seed that's gonna be sown this year. We pray for new leaders, God, to emerge. We pray for new churches to be planted. We pray for walls to be broken down. We pray for strongholds to be broken. God, many of them are gonna get on a plane this week and, and go back to a place that's persecuted and, and restricted where the work that they're doing is illegal. God, we pray for those strongholds to fall in Jesus' name. And God, until that day, we pray for protection over our families. 